Wow, lots going on here at First Baptist. Lots to get connected in, men, women's, life groups. Uh, we have our, uh, even though we're starting two new ones, we ha- still have our Bible study and, and prayer meeting as well that meets every Wednesday night. Uh, Craig leads that so faithfully. It's a great, great time. Friends, get, in, get involved in life group. It's, it is truly where, where we connect with one another. We help each other in our in our faith journey. I'm glad to glad you're here today. I saw a lot of a lot of guests. Great to see you. So glad you're with us uh, today. We pray you'll be encouraged. Pray you've have felt welcomed and and I want you just to leave here with a not just with a s- skip in your step, but just with your heart lifted. And hopefully that's that's true for all of us. Several years back, I was um, I was still living in Arkansas and I was making a, a journey in the car and I looked over to the right, and there was this uh, grasshopper uh, on the window. And I'm driving down the road, and I'm thinking, well, he's just going to fly off. But he, he was hanging on to the glass. I've never seen anything quite like it. He's hanging onto the glass. And I'm going 30 miles an hour, and he's, he's still there. I think surely the wind is going gonna, is gonna to take him off. Well, eventually I was going to get onto the onto the freeway, and I thought, well, eventually, he's, the, he's just going to blow off, and I'm getting onto the freeway, and I can, I can see him struggling as he's, as he's holding. He, 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 he went down to the, you know, where the window comes up out of the door, and he kind of grabbed on there, and I'm thinking, wow, this guy is, is, quite, is quite something, but, it, but again, I, you know, I get up to 40, 50, 60 miles an hour, and he is he is holding on for, for dear life. And I couldn't help but begin rooting for this little grasshopper. You know what I'm saying? And then to make, to make matters even more difficult, it begins to rain. And I'm thinking, oh, that's, that's it. It's, this guy is gone. He's going to, some big raindrop's going to hit him, and, or he's going to lose his grip, and he's going to flip off and, and go to his demise in the traffic behind me. But he hung in there in the, in the rain. He was, he was holding, holding on. And I began to cheer him on. Come on, Jiminy. You got this. You know, you're going to, come on, you can just hang in there. Don't give up. Stay strong, Jiminy. Well, the rain subsided before I could get off, the, off of my exit. And Jiminy, I mean, he was there. He was persevering. He was, he was going to make it. Well, I took the exit, and I decided to uh, make a short detour. I knew there was a little park um, just, uh, you know, just right where I was. And so I, I pulled into this park, and I stopped the car, and he, there he was. I got out, and I went over, and uh, I thought, man, Jimmy, you are awesome, man. You are, you are awesome. And uh, <laughs> I, I grabbed a stick. I, I've got to set this guy free. I mean, who wants to pick up a cricket, right? I mean, they're just crunchy, and you just don't touch cricket. Or, grasshoppers and so I got this stick and I and I was going to come over there and about that time he he just he flew off into and they, they fly and they he jumped and he flew off I didn't see him again um I wanted to sing some of you may know that Barry Manilow song you made it through the rain I mean I almost started to break out or like you are the champion I was just like this guy is incredible incredible Well, you know, just like, just like Jiminy, still today, we face, we face the headwinds and the rains of life. 
And our passage today is going to call us to stick it out, to hang on, to endure, and, and, to, and to persevere. Whenever, I think some, even today, sometimes when I have those headwinds coming at me and the rain, the storms are blowing, I remember that little crick, I remember that little grasshopper. And I'm thinking, man, I, if he can do it, God can give me the strength to do it as well. Again, our pastor this morning, we've been walking through James, and James, he's going to call on believers. He's going to call on us to, to persevere in our faith with a, with a patient endurance as we face the, the storms and difficulties of life. Friends, I know that some of you here are this, this morning are, are going through things. The, the storms of life have, have come upon you. Maybe some of you listening online this morning. It's, it's been a hard season. Some of you may be on the verge of, of just turning loose, giving up, giving up on a friendship, giving up on, on a marriage, giving up on kicking that per- pervasive addiction that seems to just have its claws into you. Maybe even giving up on just life itself. Maybe you're not in the headwinds today, but there's a good likelihood that you know somebody that is. Friends, today this message is for you. It is it's for us. In the last chapter of his letter to the believers that have been scattered throughout the, the, known, the known world at that time, James is writing to these to these Christians who, are, who have been persecuted and are continuing to, to face serious, significant storms in their, in their lives, in their families, in their livelihoods. And he's writing to, to bolster them and to strengthen them in their faith so that they can endure through the hardships. And friends, this is a message we all need to hear. So this morning, we're closing out this sermon series called A a Faith in Motion. You know, faith is not static. It's not static. It it moves. It is in motion. Faith is the competent assurance of things that we hope for. It is the convicting evidence of things that we, we can't even see. It's placing our hope in things that we can't see and knowing that, that we can and will receive it. Faith is believing the impossible because it trusts in the God who does the impossible. A faith in motion is a tested faith. It's a visible faith. It's a risking faith. It's a submitted faith. And today we'll see that a faith in motion is an enduring faith, an enduring faith. So if you would, if you have your Bibles or your phones or tablets, Turn, to, turn with me to the book of James, and we're looking at that last chapter, chapter 5. James, it's the eighth to the last book in the Bible, very back of the Bible. Again, we're not going to be reading through this whole passage, but I would like you to just have your, have it, have your, have it turn, have your Bibles turn to the book of James, and just I'll be referring to different spots as we, as we journey down this chapter. And we'll look at the trials first, the trials and suffering that these believers are facing. And second, we're going to see that, that these, things, these same things happen to us today. And we're going to look at God's response. And then James is going to show us how we should also respond. 
So first, the trials and sufferings. James reminds us that trials and suffering are a part of life and, and particularly a part of the Christian life. You know, just because we, we come to Christ and he lives in us doesn't make us immune to the difficulties and challenges of life. We face the storms just like everyone else, and sometimes because of our faith, we, we face the storms uh, as a result of it. This word trial or testing or suffering, it it's appears six times in just these five chapters alone in, in James. It's one of the key topics. He begins with it, he opens with it, and he closes with it. He begins by saying, we, he, he tells us to count it all joy when we, when we experience trials of various kinds. Not if, he says, when we experience trials of various kinds. Knowing that God is at work. He is working in the midst of those trials and the difficulties to, to strengthen us, to build us up. The trials are actually strengthening us and making us more like Jesus. You know, diamonds are, are made from carbon that has, that has experienced the, the intense heat and, and pressure upon him. And our faith is like that. It's, it's, it begins like carbon. And then as the, as the pressures and the difficulties of life come against us, our faith is, is built up to become like, like diamonds, precious and beautiful and strong. Our faith is strengthened, is purified. The scripture says, James says, that we're made complete, we're made perfect. Again, James begins this topic in chapter 1, and now he closes with it here in chapter 5. It's kind of like bookends. He addresses two specific types of trials and suffering that, that are still common to us today. The first it's trials that come at the hands of those who are in positions of, of power or privilege. As you start reading in chapter 5, James brings some of the harshest language yet in, this, in, this, in his book, in his letter. And he's, he's really coming down hard on people in power, position, and privilege. He comes against specifically the, the rich who have taken advantage of of these young believers. He's even defrauded them. Verse 6, these people are privileged, have condemned, and Scripture says, and even murdered the righteous people. He didn't kill them, but he's, he's, they they have actually, um, they've taken them to court and have, have just plundered everything that they have. Now, you may not have been sued recently, but James is talking really about anyone who, who has by their means, by their influence, by their power, taken advantage of, of others. Now that can happen to us. can happen to you. Today we see, see it, take it take its kinds of forms like this, being taken advantage of at, at work or maybe being overlooked for a promotion that you've, that you've deserved, that you've earned Maybe being shunned by a, a particular group of, of people at, at school. Being bullied or harassed. Being, being objectified. Being the recipient of, of racism. Maybe being abused physically, emotionally, or, or even sexually. 
and that person getting away with it. Being falsely accused, being, being demeaned or even persecuted because of your faith, your stance. Friends, live long, long enough and you will experience trials and suffering of this kind. You will experience trials and suffering at the hands of those who are in positions of power and privilege. Because sin and depravity, people, they, just, they come against us. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. There it is again, when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Peter's telling us that we shouldn't be surprised when we face those storms, when they come into our life. In fact, we should be surprised if they don't. So there are trials that come at the hands, again, of those who are in power and position and privilege. James gives us a second category of trials, physical suffering. Beginning in verse 13, he, he writes to those who are sick and dealing with physical ailments. Today, you know, we have the blessing of, of modern medicine, you know, doctors and hospitals, emergency rooms, surgeries, medications, immunizations, and more. Imagine living in the days of James in the Bible. Now, you had some doctors, but they didn't have anything like what we have today. I mean, if you broke your leg, I mean, they might try to set it a little bit, wrap it up a little bit, and you're on your own. Um, we saw Dustin this week. He broke, fell and broke his leg, had to have some rod and screws. I've got pictures. It's, it's pretty gruesome. But, I mean... He was, I saw him last night. He was in a wheelchair. And, man, praise God for the kind of care that we can get today. Back then, I mean, it'd been, he'd have probably been lame the rest of his life. Suffering. James is talking about people who are dealing with difficulties in, in, in their physical being. But, friends, even today with all, of the, all that we have as far as modern medicine, we still face difficulties. We still get very ill and we live long enough, and we will probably meet our demise as well when we face disease, sickness. Well, James doesn't leave us in our, in our misery. He does give us hope. Even though these trials come and these specific trials, and really he, he says at the beginning, there's, you know, count it joy when you experience trials of various kinds. He's picking out these two, but friends, trials come in different shapes and sizes, intensities. They come at different times. They come unexpectedly. They come, they come out of the blue. Sometimes, they, sometimes we even know that they're coming, and they're still difficult. But there's hope. James gives us hope. Our faith in motion becomes an enduring faith as we see God's responses to our trials and suffering. We see God's response to us. As you glance through these first uh, six verses here in chapter, in chapter 5, you see that God is, I mean, he is, he is bringing judgment upon these people of power and position and privilege they soon will pay for their evil practices. Verse 1 says that miseries are coming. Verse 2 says that their possessions will, will come to an end. God himself will invoke his judgment upon them. Our faith can endure because we know that, that he will one day bring justice. 
Sometimes in this world, there is, we don't find justice. We don't, that, that job that, that, that gets by us, that, that difficulty that we, that we face at the hand of another, and no one else knows about it but us, and there's nothing that we can do about it, that abuse that, that you've received in secret, that there's no way to bring that person out into the, into the light. Friend, God sees it, and he will bring justice. Sometimes we, we long for justice, and we, we want, sometimes we even move into, I want vengeance on this person. I want this person to pay for what they've done to me. Friend, we can just rest in the hands of the Lord. He, he's going to take care of it. Friends, if you've experienced injustice at the hand of another, if someone has done something to you and gotten away with it, if you're experiencing the consequences of another person's actions, God is not oblivious to your suffering. He sees you. God sees and hears your brokenness and pain. Verse 4, verse 4 says that the cries of those who've been wronged have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Your cries, your pain, your suffering has not gone unnoticed. He hears it, he knows, he cares, and he loves. And this is incredible comfort for us. Our faith can endure because we know he hears us. He is with us. He is for us. He's like me in the car just cheering him on. Jimmy, come on. You got this. You can do this. God is cheering us on. In fact, when it says that he hears the cries and that they have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, that phrase, that, that description of God, it, it, is, it, it means the Lord of armies. The Lord of armies. This, the, the, this God, this God who, who sits in heaven and, and sees it all, he has at his disposal a, a myriad upon a myriad of angelic beings that are for us and that are ready to defend us. Now, there's a story in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 6, the armies of Syria had come against the, the people of Israel. They had surrounded, the, surrounded them, and they were ready to, to take them out. And a, there was a prophet named Elisha, and Elisha calls out, he prays out to God, hey, what, uh, what are we to do? He's seeking his guidance and help. This is what God said to him in 2 Kings 6.16. God said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then all of a sudden, God opened his eyes, and he could look and across the mountains, across the skies, were thousands upon thousands of chariots of fire. The, the Lord of hosts, his armies were right there. And God is saying to him, do not be afraid. What we, look what we, what we got. Look at our army. They are not going to prevail. And they did not. Friend, that same Lord of hosts with his armies are for you in your trials. He, his armies are ready to defend you. 
the day will come when God responds. And he will bring the guilty to justice. He will defend us with his armies. He hears us and is with us in our trials, the challenges. We're never, ever alone. Friends, sometimes in the middle of your trial, you just need to stop. And, if, and just think, if, Lord, if you could open my eyes and I could just see there's an army around. And you need to just, just say to yourself, verbally just say it, I am not alone. I am not alone. We feel overwhelmed. We feel like the storms are going to take us out. There's nothing worse than, than being alone. But friend, with the Lord, you're never ever, ever alone. Our faith in motion becomes an enduring faith not only as we see God's response but as, but also as we respond to, to those trials and, and difficulties. So God's response and now James gives, encourages us in our own response. Look at how he calls us to respond there in verse 7. James tells us to, to be patient to be patient. He, he repeats it in verse 8. Whenever somebody repeats something like that in the Scripture, I mean, just take notice. This is, he wants us to, to, to take hold of this. Be patient. Be patient. Patiently endure. You know, our, our ability to be patient in suffering comes from trusting that God will respond. He will, he will show up. And he will come to our to the aid of our suffering in, in due time. In fact, his greatest response to our suffering and trials actually will occur when he, when he returns to, to end all suffering. In fact, that's what he, he tells us to do here. Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. Hang in there. Hang in there. Jiminy, hang in there. I'm going to get off the freeway, and this, this, your suffering is going to come to the end. And it's kind of like that. Hang on. God says, hang on. Be patient. Cling. Cling. Cling to my word. Cling to me. The day is soon coming when all this is going to be over. No matter how, how difficult that, that the pain is, man, the suffering, the physical pain, it will come to an end. Too many times, I think we get stuck looking at our present circumstances. And that's where it gets overwhelming. We see, remember Peter? He, you know, they're out in the, Jesus is out there in the boat, and he's calling, hey, come on out here. And Peter starts, hey, I'm going to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he looks, and he's like, oh, my word, I'm in the middle of a storm. And, and he sees the sea, and he's walking on the water. And all of a sudden, he takes his eyes off Jesus, and he's looking at his circumstances. And what begins to happen? Yes, he starts to go down. Now, if I were Jesus, I'd, I'd probably like, hey, man, and I'd probably step out there and take him by the hand, not pull him out, but just kind of drag him along a little bit. <laughs> no, Jesus, Jesus doesn't do that. He's like, come on, hey, get your eyes right here. I got you. Come on, get in the boat, brother. And he calms the sea. Friends, we look at our, our, our current circumstances, and it can be overwhelming. James says, hey, don't. Get your eyes, cast your gaze upon that day. And a lot of the old hymns that we sing, especially a lot of the black gospel songs, they, they speak a lot about heaven. 
those who, who struggled and enslaved. A lot of, lot of great, great gospel songs came out of, um, out of times of, of great struggle. Friends, we too, we need to look, cast our eyes to, to that day when Jesus comes and makes it all go away. You know, life is short. It moves quickly. The older you get, you see how, you realize how quickly life is. If we live into our 90s or even to hundreds, it's just a, it's really like a grain of sand on the, on the beaches of eternity. It's just nothing. It's so quick. We can have an enduring faith knowing that we will soon be whole. You can bank on that. Our hearts can be secure. James also encourages us, and he really is cautioning us against the, the response of grumbling there in verse 9. When we face the trials and struggles, it's easy to, to grumble against, against others. And our enemy would rather, much rather us be divided than united. James is talking to the church. He's talking not just to individuals, but he's talking to the, to the congregation, the, 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 the body, the family of God. He says, hang in there. Don't grumble with one another. You know, we face a difficulty at work. We grumble against our boss or our, our fellow workers. When we find ourselves walking through a divorce, we grumble against our, our, our ex. When we, we're made fun of, we, we look for ways to, to retaliate. This brings us back to chapter 3 where, where we have to bring our tongue into submission. We're to be quick to hear, remember, slow to speak and slow to anger. James is just weaving this theme all the way through his, his letter here. James reminds us of the, this Old Testament character named Job. Job had lost everything. He lost all of his possessions. He lost his physical health. He had lost his family. And yet James, I mean, that Job patiently endured even though his friends came, like, man, you sinned somewhere. You did something. Surely there's something you did. Just confess it. He's like, it's not there. It's not there. Questioned God, but he never cursed God. He patiently endured. Patiently endured. And that's what James is calling us to do. Trust in the God who remains faithful. Trust in him who is, as we sang about, is good. He is good to us even when it seems like life is hard. When the storms wind blow, be patient. Don't grumble against others. Trust in God's faithfulness and compassion. James also tells us not to try and fix things with empty vows there in verse 12. Speak truth with integrity. Let God handle it. Just, just be. let your yes be yes, your no be no. Don't make up. Just trust God. Rest in his care in his hands. James, is, he kind of begins to shift it there in verse 13. As I mentioned earlier, he shifts it from this, you know, being kind of persecuted from, from the hands of others. Now he calls the storms that, are, that, that come into our life through physical suffering. James gives us some very practical ways how to respond in the midst of physical suffering. He says in verse 13 that when we experience suffering, we should pray. When things are going well, we should give praise to God. Then in verse 14, he speaks about 
real serious illness. This isn't just the common cold or the kind of short stomach stomach bug. He's talking about people who who are experiencing some kind of debilitating illness, maybe even an illness that could could potentially lead to death. Look how he instructs us in verse 14. He says, when you, when you face that kind of trial, he says, call forth the elders. Call forth the elders of the church. And it says, then he says, let them, let them pray over the sick. And third, he says, let them anoint them with, with oil in the name of the Lord. You know, I, I, think, I think James' instructions here are more prescriptive than descriptive. I think he's... I think he's given us what we should do as a, as a church, as a body of believers, when people face very, very difficult physical suffering. He calls on the church, I think, to practice this particular type of ministry. The sick person initiates the prospect, the process by letting, you know, calling us up. Hey, John, I'm. This is I'm really really suffering. This physical thing has it's got me, and I'm it's now it's it's messing with my mind. I am struggling. This is hard. Could you? Could the elders? Could the leaders of the church come? Could the shepherds of this church come and and pray over me? And then absolutely, I mean we we care for you, and James would call us to to come to your to your home, come to your bedside and we don't we don't do this a lot and I have done this some but actually to take some anointing oil and and to bring it that the anointing oil it's it doesn't have special abilities to 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 heal there were medicinal oils in that day but this is not what he's talking about here that this this anointing oil is it's a picture of God's presence it's a it's a picture of the of the Holy Spirit and we come and we pray over and we take some oil and, and place as if hey, God's presence, he's with you. He's got you. It's, 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 he's, his army is there. He's, we're, we're in this. I think, friend, if you find yourself in a situation like that, would you call us? We want to come. Myself, right, our staff, leaders in our church, you know, our, we have the, the scripture calls, there's two offices in the church. There's deacons and there's elders. Our deacons serve. They, they, they handle all the temporal needs of the church. Elders, they shepherd. They, they give care. They lead out in the, in the spiritual care of, of the body. We want, we want to care for you in this way. Friend, we need, to, we, we need to follow James' instruction here. If you find yourself ever in that way, Friends, if, even if you don't have a, a serious illness, you just need prayer. You fill out that card, I, I tell you, we pray. We love to pray for you. You come on, on Wednesday night, Craig leads that time, and we, he opens up the Word. He's been going through uh, John, and, um, and then we open it up. It's a time of, of praying for one another. You do it in your life groups. You share in there, and you pray. If it's serious enough, it gets, it gets, to, it gets to me. And I love to I love to pray. Love to pray for you. What James is calling us to do is to face our trials and suffering together. Together, not alone. 
He's calling on us. He's calling on us as a church. He's saying, hey, don't do this alone. Don't suffer alone. Don't face your trials alone. Engage with pastoral leaders. Verse 16, he tells us to confess our sins to one another and to pray for one another. So not only your pastoral leadership, now he's, he's calling on you to, to pray together and to, to share openly and confess your sins with one another. Where does this kind of transparency and vulnerability happen? I mean, are we going to walk out here and you see somebody, hey, let me tell you, I need to confess some sin to you. I mean, it doesn't happen out, out there in the foyer. Now, maybe it does. I think it does sometimes. But where it really happens is in our life groups. Our life groups are where genuine faith is deeply put into practice. It's where we help one another when the storm winds blow. It's where we care for and pray fervently for one another. It's, it's even where we can share our failures, our fears, knowing that others will, will hold our arms up and help us through that storm. I mean, you've already heard it. You've heard we've got numerous life groups that gather here on Sunday mornings. We have a host of them, different age groups and topics. We have some, some of these new groups that, that Ryan mentioned earlier that will be beginning here in a couple of weeks. We have a new grandparenting group. I'm excited about this. Grandparenting matters. It's a time for those of you who have grandparents just to meet twice a month and to, and to say, hey, you know, we want to be very intentional. God has blessed us. He's given us this position, and we can get together and, and share some ideas. We can learn how to be very spiritually intentional in helping to disciple our, our grandkids. And then we can share needs with one another, and we can pray together. I encourage you, if you're a grandparent, come be a part of that. Kickoff is September 15th. Again, we have some, some new Wednesday night groups beginning on the 14th, a new Bible study group that will meet the second and fourth Tuesday of each month at 10 o'clock, walking through the book of Hebrews, but not just studying the Bible, but just really seeking, how, do we, how does this apply to our life? How do we live this out? How do we encourage one another? How do we walk in faith this way? I'm going to be leading a special life group for seniors in high school here coming up called Senior Sessions. If you're a senior in high school, I want to encourage you to come be a part. We're going to do it. First one's going to be on, in our home on the, I think the 19th, 19th. It's designed to encourage you and equip you as you, as you prepare for the next chapter in, in your life following graduation. Friends, here at First Baptist, we want you, we want you to connect to Christ, to community and cause. You hear me say it almost every Sunday. That's who we are. We want you to connect to Christ. We want you to connect to spiritual community. And that's what all of this is. That's what life groups do. It's where we help one another endure in our faith. Friends, faith in motion, it is an enduring faith. Life can be really, really hard at times. Live long enough, and you're going to face some pretty difficult storms at the hands of others, and even simply from the weaknesses that our body um, has to deal with as we, as we try to survive in this fallen world. And friends, as, as we seek to endure in faith, we cannot, 
we really cannot do it alone. We're not designed to do it alone. I mean, as crazy as it seems, now, oh, Jiminy, my little grasshopper, I mean, he probably didn't know. He wasn't thinking about me. <laughs> but I was there. I was cheering him on. Um, Yeah, no, he, he's not going to be in heaven. <laughs> I won't get to see that, but maybe he was able to tell his grandchildren, hey, let me tell you how I endured on that. <laughs> but friends, that's just, a, that's just a little grasshopper. Friends, we need one another because we're, sometimes we are hanging on to the glass and it doesn't seem like our grip's going to hold. And we need somebody to come along the way and take hold of us. That's what church is about. That's why we exist, and we want to help connect you to that kind of community of faith. Friends, you're not alone. You don't want to be alone. The Lord of a vast army of angels stands ready to defend you. And friends, we as a church want to encourage you as well as you walk down this journey of faith. So what's your next step? We all have a next step. Maybe you're here today and you, you know that you hadn't even taken that, that initial very, very first step, connecting with Christ, connecting with Jesus. Every one of us begins at that same place. We all need to connect with Jesus. We're all sinners in need of God's, as we sang about earlier, His, His grace, His riches that, that we don't deserve, that, that Christ is giving to us. We're all sinners in need of God's forgiveness. But here's the incredible good news. He sent his son, Jesus, to, to rescue us. He, he sent him on a rescue mission to, to deliver us from the, the grip of sin and to, to bring us into, into life, an abundant life here today and forever. Jesus paid the debt of our sin by by dying in our place. And to receive the gift of spiritual life now and forever, he simply calls on us to, to turn from sin and to trust in him. To turn and to trust. To turn and to trust. It might begin even with us just a, a very simple prayer. There's no magic prayer. There's no sinner's prayer. We talk about that. There's no, no specific prayer, but sometimes just coming to him in, in prayer is, is all it takes you come and you say, God, I, I need you. I recognize I'm a sinner. And God, you've made the way for me to have right relationship with you through Jesus. And so now I turn from sin and I, I trust in you. Come into my life. Take control. I want to live for you. It's that simple. Friend, if you haven't prayed something like that, if you haven't taken that step, I want to encourage you to do that today. Do it today. For others of you, it's, it's time to get connected into a community of faith. Maybe you've been attending here at First Baptist for, for weeks or, or months, and maybe in your heart you're like, hey, this, this is a good church. These are some great folks. I can see investing my life here, bringing my family and, and, and giving my life away here in this church and having others invest in me. Well, I want to invite you to our Step 1 class. It's our Get Connected class called it Connect 101. It has all kinds. It's, it's our first class. You come and you, you hear all about how to get connected here at, at First Baptist. 
September 11th. I'll be leading that right after our morning worship service in the little room right over here. It's about 30 minutes. We'll give you a big overview of, of what it looks like to connect here at First Baptist. Come be a part of that and get connected here at First. Others of you, as I've said, need to plug into a life group. Join an existing group or come be a part of one of our new groups. Friends, we need these kinds of things. We need these kinds of relationships. Let's do life together. Friends, let's grow together in our faith and help one another endure. Endure until Jesus comes to bring us to that place where our faith in motion comes to its final resting place. Where that faith in motion, that faith gives way to sight. And we see that we're finally home. Faith in motion. Let's do this journey together. Let's, let's hold on. Let's cheer one another on. If you leave this place and, some, and you're down, come, come talk to somebody and just talk to somebody. We want to cheer you up. We want to cheer you on. We want to link arms with you and help you get to that final resting place. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that our faith doesn't ultimately rest in in our own strength. God, we thank you that you do give us the grace. You give us the power. You give us everything that we need to endure, to persevere, to hold on. We don't do it alone. First, you're with us. Then your armies are, are ready to stand and come at, at, at just the instant you say, go. They are there for us. And then not only that, God, you've given us. You've given us your church, beautiful church, too, where we can love one another and care for one another and help one another, bear the burdens of, of one another. God, help us to be that kind of church. And I pray, God, as we, here in a minute, as we take the Lord's Supper, as we sing, God, we would, we would all think about what our next step is. Whether it's coming to you for the first time, whether it's plugging into to this church or some other faithful church. God, if it's getting more deeply connected with other believers in a life group, or maybe giving our lives away by serving in some way. God, help us to help us to take that next step. Give us strength. And we give you praise. And God, we do consider it all joy when we experience trials of various kinds, knowing, God, that you are doing something in us. You are strengthening us. You are helping us to endure. We give you praise in Jesus' name. We're going to share now in what we call the Lord's Supper. It's one of the two ordinances of the church. Baptism is one in the Lord's Supper. We're called to do this as, as often as we do in remembrance of him. If you uh, came in, hopefully you picked up one of these. If you need one, you can just raise your hand. And one of our ushers will, will bring you one. I know you're tempted, but I want to just encourage, ask you just to hang loose. Makes a lot of these things are really noisy. Just hang loose a minute. Now the Lord's Supper, there's nothing special about it. This is just juice and a 
kind of a stale cracker of some sort there. But they represent something incredible. They put on display what Jesus has done for us. It puts on display the unity that we share together because of what he's done. Here at First Baptist, um, uh, we do this together and we encourage anyone who is a baptized believer. You don't have to be a member of this church to participate. But, but friend, you don't have to if you don't want to. You feel there's no shame in not doing this. You may not feel like, hey, right now, right now is the right time. Just, just reflect on the things that are, are being, being shared in this time together. Taking in the Lord's Supper does require us to not only look outward, but to look, to look inward, to look in our hearts. The scripture says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. It's, it's serious. So let's just take a moment now and just reflect. Look upon your heart. If there's things to confess, do it now in this time together. And I'll close this out. Father, as we come to you now and we take of, of this, this special meal, the bread and the, and the cup, God, we, we do want to look into our hearts. God, we know that there's hardly a, ever a day, maybe an hour that goes by where we're, we're not fully dependent upon you, where we've, we turn to our own strength and our, our own ways. We, we fail you specific things I'm sure in my life as I, as I think about them even this week and so now we come to you God and we confess our sins before you we thank you that Jesus Christ paid for those past present and future and as we come to confess God you, you've promised to, to forgive us and to cleanse us to wipe our sins away so that there's not even a hint or stain upon our lives so God we we thank you as we confess we claim that promise thank you for your forgiveness thank you for Jesus and we pray in his name